Is this mic turned on? Wax poetic. Hi, kids. I'm a dinosaur hunter BMX rider. Long division sure comes in handy. All the little girls dream of one day biting into a corn dog and smiling at the camera. If I ran the web, you could email dead people. Wax poetic. Just say no to family values. In the terrarium is herpes. Herpes is a hermit crab. And I don't give a moment's focus to who does or doesn't like the sound of my voice. This is Wax Poetic on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what if I write a poem like a song? Good afternoon and welcome to another edition of Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. I'm your host this afternoon, R.C. Weslowski, and very happy to have in studio today, Cecily Nicholson. Hello. Hello. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Thanks for being here, taking the time out. Uh, so we'd like to get our uh, guest to start the show off with a poem. So let's do that. This is uh, from, from the Poplars. The island, I am told, is not for sale. I am surprised to be mistaken for a potential buyer. At planning, their recollections of the place are of ownership and of issues, and I describe my project. They express curiosity, perhaps even delight. How to say then that this effort is an outcrop of disunity, a gross sense of settlement in a royal city, a call and a response. I could not explain my purpose other than to say I'm writing a book of poetry, a minor purchase of property. Pages damaged, restored, Discolored, stained, or detached, wholly or partially obscured by errata slips and tissue, etc., are refilmed for the best possible quality of the image. The following diagrams illustrate the method Poplar Island, Pop Patri individuated alike, Lazaretto, Kamau, Tarua, North Brother, Angel, our current worst conditions of confinement. Subjects of capture. Property, in the strictest sense. Bound in a given moment, called to ground, unitary in the midst, scattered, breathing, this next while, a kind of evolution. Stratifying dialects from a strict sense of words. Formal markers for shipmakers. Soluble paper, ever sad. Phonetic, social, generations, and forth. From the Poplars. Is that the opening uh, piece in the book? Yeah, I thought it'd be a good place to start. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. yeah. So, what was the project? Well, the project was, uh, I I have described it as a study, um, a couple of years that I took um, researching uh, both through the archives and in unarchived efforts. Um, a place called now Poplar Island, mm. which if you know New Westminster at all, um, say you take the Sky Train on your way to Surrey, you would pass the, the island. Um, it's right where the Scott paper or the Kruger oh, okay. uh, paper factory is. Um, and in many ways seems like a nondescript, you know, quiet place. But yeah, I was drawn to it a number of years ago, just wondering, uh, for whatever reasons, but wondering its history or why, what, what it was, or has it always just been this quiet island of trees? And um, and before long, uh, uncovered um, or started to learn about um, some layers of, of pretty complex history attached to the place. So, 
Um, it is a part of the uh, original territories of the, of the traditional territories of the Kikite peoples, the Kikite nation, um, who is a landless band at this point in mm. time, but one of the many uh, groups of people displaced from um, the coast in the area um, in preparation for European settlement. It was a um, smallpox quarantine um, zone for indigenous peoples, as I understand it, from up the coast. So people were, were transported there. Um, it was um, a shipbuilding. Uh, it was the island was cleared, the trees were cleared, and a shipbuilding factory was built during the First World War. Um, various iterations of industry, mm-hmm. and so just unraveling or, or working through these layers and um, of um, a meaning of, of history of application of ownership, um, scare quotes, yeah. and um, and and also the the labor and and the occupation and the and the movement of people around there. So it ended up being a study of that as well as a study of the of riparian ecology. So thinking through the land and the um, the non human elements, um, the movement of the water. And so on and so mm-hmm. on. So there's the... <laughs> that's amazing. Okay, good. Sum that yeah, up. <laughs> no, that's really... I'm curious. Um, you said both archived and unarchived. Were you going through uh, oral histories of, of talking to people or how did... That's that? right. So, I mean, there's just um, inevitably um, with various communities, um, certainly uh, First Nations, Indigenous communities, uh, many uh, racialized labor communities, there's long histories of, of erasure or just non-inclusion in, in the archive. So yeah. there's no way to get a through history. First, there's no way to get a through history, but there's no way to even get a, an a, approach, a, um, a real sense of the place through the archives alone. So some of that was anecdotal and, and talking with various peoples. And I don't name them um, with some agreement ahead of time that, uh, you know, the responsibility and the opinions of the book, um, I could I could hold that on my own. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, But yeah, so it was really guided by that. It was also guided just by the practice of, of being present um, uh, on foot, not on the island. I was never actually able to, to go there. Oh. Um, we're not allowed to go there. It's not uh, a place that legally um, we're allowed to be. And I, and I, um, I you know, I have questions about who, who should ever be allowed to, if not the Kikite people yeah. or um, their descendants. But anyway, so, um, so it was a lot of uh, study of that particular area of the Fraser. So North Arm of the Fraser and just there's, it's very... Um, easy to get quite close to the island. It's actually very uh, near, um, certainly when the, the water's low, the tides are low, affecting the river. So, yeah, so on foot and just um, actually um, note-taking and being present and listening and um, reading signage and, mm-hmm. and, and all the documents that relate to the place outside of the archive. Um, but then, yeah, and then on top of that, then, of course, reading through uh, the BC, the New Westminster, the library, um, um, city minutes from hospitals and just a variety of things that, to cobble together, um, you know, uh, the dominant narrative, yeah. I guess. Um, and so why aren't you allowed to, or why is anyone allowed to be on the island? Is that because it's... It's just, it's protected property. Um, I'm actually, at the, at the top, off the top of my head, I think it's the BC government that's ultimately responsible mm. for the space. Um, but it's also a shipping uh, area, okay. right? So you can't, um, I mean, I, if uh, maybe I had access to um, commercial um, fishing or I, or I rented space, but yeah, no, technically you're not supposed hmm. to be there. It doesn't mean that people haven't been there. Yeah. There's been uh, various homeless encampments. Um, I write a little bit about that in the book, um, more than one uh, example of that through time. Um, and it's been explored. I've, I've since I, I wrote this book, I've since talked to a number of um, laborers currently or, or in the last, you know, 30, 40 years who've actually been on the island mm. and, and looked around and yeah, so there's definitely people who go there. I, I, it wasn't uh, um, 
a central concern for me to actually be there. It wasn't necessary in some ways, and in, in a lot of ways that um, dialectic of, of observation and being on one shore and looking was part of the project, mm-hmm. that, that tension, I think. But once, yeah. the, once the book came out, did you get people uh, coming up to you going, oh, I've got a story about that place. I've got a story, like people who you hadn't encountered and but they see the book or That's hear right. about the book yeah and i and i really and what a delight like i i uh, some of the really wonderful conversations and i um i'm a, a fairly shy person uh at the end of the day so I've, I've had to really try to open up to to with you know the generosity of strangers really who are making an effort not necessarily like not necessarily people who are fans of poetry sure but are fans of history or yeah. think through history and so there are some some amateur historians and a number of people who have been engaged variously and and so uh shared some of those stories already in terms of um, um, transporting, you know, uh, working actually around that area um, and uh, who have come up at readings or mm-hmm. sent me emails or just correspondence. And um, so, yeah, there's been that. And then there's also just the stories that unfold of a place more generally. And so New Westminster, like many um, settlements, um, you know, I make the point in the book is, is um, you know, built upon bones. Mm. We're almost always walking on something, um, the history um, that's actually manifest in, in, in the remains of people. So um, um, there's lots of stories about what's been built over throughout New West, and so I draw some attention in the book to, to those moments, but not as though that's unique to New Westminster. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Do you live in New West? I do, yeah. yeah. Yeah, and that was part of the impetus too. Um, my uh, first book, uh, Triage, in many ways, was written in proximity to um, my work in the downtown Eastside community, and and uh, and related to networks of activism as well, and and uh, just sort of women's resistance. And it was necessary in terms of place and time. I find it hard not to write about what I'm in proximity to. Um, and then, yeah, we we my partner and I moved to uh, New Westminster. Uh, it's been about five years now that we've lived there. Um, and I really needed to know more about mm. where I lived, and I needed to to um, um, engage actively in, in uh, what a lot of folks talk in, about in terms of decolonization. Uh, maybe not quite the language I would use, but definitely working through um, you know the imposition of discourses through time, and, and like I said, the dominant histories. I needed to understand more than that, um, and I feel that's a part of being responsible to to just being present on the land. Um, and, um, and then, yeah, just to engage a story and a narrative in the everyday, it was quite, uh, uh, exciting in some ways mm. for me, like the study, you know? Well, let's, uh, hear another poem or two from you, if okay. you don't mind. Okay. Uh, guest this afternoon is Cecily Nicholson, and you're listening to them here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. Our show is, uh, Wax Poetic. Demonstration parcels bought and sold repeatedly as the record shows stolen. Light comes up over the southeast bridges, normative, quieted. That a place told you it was bleeding into the snow. Cold seeps to bone, born and cut with no language to remember. Storage pits, caches, hanging lots for crows. As land sounds lean into sleet, cottonwood trees... In the dark of winter, growing tips, sea, light, causing seedlings to bend towards the source. Whiles before people disposed in a hundred-dollar hospital, corporeal lessons leaned towards shared logics and finer beats, for the old lamps to show the whips still stuck after centuries in the old wounds, pages to an opposite shore, to earth beneath here, 
an eye on pavement or any other word over centuries of rotting matter. So sanctuary monoglot accent island pass back into non-standard. Trees suffer, cantonary curves of ivy and gossamer. Signal lines tremble. Sway and song put to order, to archive under English cloak. Listening horizons burst new density, this time an eye wants to pull apart as well. Words, light, rain, romancing words, composed upon a bridge in the smokeless air, from the sky bridge, and the golden dawn pouring over wakening condos, over supplanted industry, routes you give in strings, and I take as ligaments. Called to the surface... Revolution, a minimal surface, the most minimal surface other than the plain, a bloom, a smile curved up into sepals on light petals past the parapet, widening to the throat, lingual bone thumbed to spine, riparian causeway to ocean, audible integrity, bending moments, cable stayed. Dark-eyed juncos sighted earlier at the annual camp, in turn this morning, awake to snow again after a better night's sleep, warmer and having prepared ample supplies. Greece, ready to move. Us, still here, sitting a while. Bow-lined yesterday's divot, I was born by the river, and just like that river, running ever since. Hmm. It's been a long time. Maybe that's okay to break. All right. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me. Are you a uh, walker? Do you walk a lot? I'm very much a walker. Yeah, and it, yeah. If there's a methodology that goes with that, that's definitely definitely part of it for me. Yeah. Um, you're doing a reading this evening. I am. Yeah, I'm reading uh, at the Cottage Bistro on Main Street. Sorry, I don't know the address off the top of my head. It's the uh, uh, Twisted Poetry Salon, um, hosted by um, Daniela Zella and Bonnie Niche. Mm-hmm. So yeah, seven o'clock. It's uh, I think it's like a twenty seventh or twenty eighth and uh, thank you. That's Main what Street. it is. Yeah. yeah. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, so for the Poplars, that was it's a BC Book uh, Prize winner, correct? Yeah, yeah, it was. Yeah, last year. Yep, last year. Yep, and uh, I guess the the term is ended because they just announced the uh, nominations today for the BC uh, Book Prizes. So, yeah, really exciting. How yeah? How was that for you? Like the, the like the process of finding out and then. Uh, finding out you won, mm-hmm. uh, what was that like? For uh, you? It was it was really humbling. Um, it was uh, uh, very surprising to me. I, I had, uh, yeah, I, the whole experience was uh, very very surprising and strange. Um, you know, I I, uh, I make poetry or we create and we work in this way for all sorts of reasons, but to, certainly for me, it's not to win prizes. Um, and I I. Uh, have a history and variously of being marginalized in other ways. So mm. it was a surprising moment to see and to feel that there had been some notice of the work. Um, it felt, um, you know, obviously it was really exciting. It's yeah. great. Um, and, and, uh, um, but also just, um, a way of honoring, um, the book as a whole. And so I was saying earlier, but just the notion of, um, you know, the community, Donato Mancini talks about the, it takes a community to make a book. I'm sure there's others who understand that. And uh, so it's a celebration uh, of my work for sure. Um, but the beautiful design in Talon Books is the publisher and, and uh, um, Greg Gibson's uh, impeccable uh, copy editing. And I just, I see that whole project and realize, you know, just a continuation of that work. And yeah. 
Um, and then, you know, the aftermath has been um, really lovely. Like, it's just you know, the ways in which people take up your work or take notice um, in a broader way because of that. So I'm, I'm quite grateful. Um, and uh, But yes, it was also very strange. <laughs> <laughs> what was the strange part about well, it? Well, I'm not a fancy person, so uh, galas are, okay. are not, uh, you know, that was a, an unusual thing for me. Um, I think the context of the provincial um, um, <coughs> being recognized within the context of, of the BC uh, province and government um, at a time when there's just so many uh, things at odd with the, the, the uh, struggles and the um, concerns of my everyday people. So the notion of being honored by a government that also simultaneously ignores mm-hmm. so many of the concerns that would be present in this book. Um, of course, it's a jury of my peers. So that's who I ultimately, in terms of the, um, with, you know, with gratitude to the BC Book Prizes, but also to that jury. Um, and um, just the, how that kind of the difficulty of that decision. So, so yeah, trying to sort through that complexity, I mm-hmm. guess, is what's the strange part for yeah, me. Yeah, yeah. Um, you said you're kind of a shy person. How do you feel about doing readings? And then are you comfortable with that? Uh, I've gotten a lot better. I, I uh, it's probably been, it's not been a long time that I've been practicing uh, reading as a in, in public. It's it's maybe you know five six years fully now. Maybe maybe seven years ago would have been my first reading. Um, and you know, I can remember one of my first reading. There, these this is in Vancouver. Um, you know, in the pouring rain, and and I can remember Larissa Lai was in the audience, and will forever be grateful for that. Um, but nobody else really, oh. <laughs> you know, like three other people. Yeah. Um, and I remember a second reading um, at the Railway Club with you know some very impressive. I remember Jeff Dirksen was there, and just some some many visiting poets, and I was extremely nervous and. Um, literally my knees were knocking like mm. I hadn't had that experience since I was a kid so that's how it started um, couldn't look up couldn't really do anything other than read off the page and um, but practice right and just practice and, and the work and um, feeling confident if not in yourself but in, at least in the work um, and and thinking that it merits being heard mm-hmm. so trying to own that and um, but I would say for for new readers and people you know really terrified by that aspect of it it is a, got a lot to do with practice mm-hmm. um, and then also just to find good company when you can so you know attending other readings and listening to other poets and and being a part of a dialogue you know over time um, even in a larger city which we're not necessarily a larger city but even in where there's multiple scenes over time, you're going to find um, camaraderie in that audience. There's going to be people there that, that you've seen before. Yeah. Or they may be your friends or whatever it is. And so it starts to feel less intimidating and more like an aspect of relating. Um, that's, that's ultimately what the poetry can do. So, yeah. yeah. Cool. Um, so I was reading your bio online or for that little um, blurb on Talon Books there. Mm-hmm. And uh, it says that you're going to be uh, doing a couple of uh, writers in residences. Yeah. Uh, next little while. Can you talk about that a bit? Sure. So that's, again, it's one of those really wonderful privileges. But um, uh, I, I really enjoy being in the university spaces. Like, be, I really enjoy being in proximity to students. And um, so I'm, I'm heading up to um, Kingston to spend some time at Queen's University. Um, it's a, a couple of things I'll be doing when I'm up there, um, working with the master's um, students in a poetry-oriented uh, class and working with their original works and manuscripts. Um, which is absolutely an honor. So that's sort of the one-on-one work, and um, uh, but also doing some composition and uh, presentation of some poetry work um, in in response to an, a visual artist, uh, Brad Isaacs, um, who's launching the Map of, of the Empire um, exhibition um, as part of the Indigenous Studies program there. Um, so that's I love that work. I love uh, collaborating with visual artists and. Um, 
and thinking through poetics in that moment. So that's another thing. And then doing a reading. Uh, inevitably, if yeah. folks have you roll up, you're going to do a reading. Yeah. So I'll do that as well. And then, um, yeah, this summer, participating in a gathering, uh, there'll be a number of artists, mainly um, some literary folks as well, um, hosted through UBCO um, uh, out at the Woodhaven Retreat space. And, and I think a part of creative studies generally, um, a number of people involved in coordinating, but particularly um, Ayomi Goto, um, Stephen, um, um, oh, I'm trying to think a couple of people, but mm-hmm. uh, Peter Morin and, and others. And um, and yeah, it's it's um, going to be mainly Indigenous and, and um, uh, racialized folks of color um, involved in arts and, and working through um, this imposition of the discourse of reconciliation and working through um, our creative practice after this moment. So um, really looking forward to that, looking forward to the heat. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, and then just participating with students, however that occurs naturally, hopefully some workshops and outdoor classroom, they can, they host a space there. It's uh, oh, okay. really beautiful. And yeah, so. Nice. So we don't have uh, too much time left. So let's get another poem from you before we uh, run out of time. Okay, sure. Uh, cut me off if I'm going on too long. Kay. I thought I'd read a, just a, a piece published recently in the Capilano Review. Summer Barrels Past. This is for uh, Nadine Chambers. It was print, Alex Coville's horse and train. There once were as many horses as people. Two and a half million pounds of shit shoveled daily, horses walking in giant wheels. Once every motor was a horse. Horses whose job it was to walk in a circle. Horses who did everything. Horse flu shut down the economy. Sixty percent of them died. Imagine 60% of our engines stopping right now and only half of them starting again. Growing up, we always had a pack of dogs, usually four, held in prestige among familiars. Them and a few cats we let indoors, though we loved every bird, mouse, tadpole, crayfish, froze in a spring frost. We grew more conscious of weather. Wide skies, red power lines, hum-dove coos, and leaves turnt, dirt, melt, change on the breeze, creeks, and rain, the gravel trucks a spring, full, by slow, then empties in the summer, barreling too fast past our hillbilly stake. Mother threw potatoes, later hard to explain to the police who got called over from the county, from the next county. Drove out to say, ma'am, you can't throw potatoes at trucks. Them all polite, as we stood with our pack and stuck to our guns. One more. Good scent of gasoline barrel in the barn era, the distribution of labor spiders and must, hay, trouble, lifting bales except straw. Wood, picked, rocks, currants, weeds, veggies, berries, chewed all summer on comfrey. Hungry dreams of ice cream and brown kids, special someday. Hanging out after school, at the donut shop, smoking or working. At school as much as possible. And on lunch hours, learning extra. Down with the AV kids. Shop and drama, or running track, pitching backstops, wishing behind trees, running everywhere. Creeks stayed knees in the odd knuckles. Some doc visiting said I was growing. Full height, ache at thirteen, gangly like a horse could be when they said wiry. Because of wires, I suppose the episode. Under the steel moon, on top of blue snow, barefoot that drive to break free, inexplicable. Homing soars over property lines and fences that chestnut mare skipped across ditches like she knew we could only hope to board her. She just escaped at night, no doubt 
she actually flew home. Mm, some great images there. What's uh, where? Where is that? What's the location or the town or the place that you're um, writing about? It's r- hard to pinpoint. Rural southwestern Ontario, uh, where I grew up. Okay. Um, so if you know the area, um, maybe about a, an hour out of Stratford. Okay. Yeah. I don't know the area really, but okay. that's okay. Yeah. Uh, so. But yeah, the the idea of sixty percent of the horses dying. Oh yeah. So that's just a, that's a historically yeah just that's, a reference yeah like a huge horse flu that knocked out at the time pre engines right yeah when, yeah yeah. That's just it's bizarre and amazing and just wow. It's stunning. You know, we forget. Yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah. You know, it's almost like if we get a, have a gasoline crisis here, like or whatever. You know, right. if, then with the cars don't run, and but horses are probably. I don't know. I well, I can't imagine because they're, yeah. they're they're sentient, smart, intelligent beings that live for forty. You know, mm-hmm. yeah, like it's it would be. I can't imagine. It's yeah. devastating. Yeah, like and just emotionally too. Like aside from the. The, the work aspect of the, the utilitarian part part of the horse, just like you make connections with animals, mm-hmm. you know, and then mm-hmm. they go all mm-hmm. wiped out. Yeah, that yeah, it must bizarre. have been shocking. Yeah. Wow. And what's that poem called? Um, it's called Summer Barrels Past, and it's a, a part of um, uh, broader compositions I'm forming right now. Having to, to do, for the first time in my life, being able to write about where I grew up and how. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was published in uh, the last uh, Capilano Review, the Capilano Review. So just as um, a wonderful um, journal in its current iteration. I'm really yeah. pleased with the, its editing right now. So, yeah. Cool. Well, it's been a treat to have you as, oh, our, yeah. as the guest today. Me, yeah, absolutely. Congratulations on the book. We'll talk about the book quickly. Uh, from the Poplars, is mm-hmm. that correct? That's Tal- right. Talon Books? That's right, yep. And you're reading this evening? That's right, uh, at a, um, Cottage Bistro, 7 o'clock, Twisted Poets. Yeah, hope you can make right it. Right on. All right. Thank you so much. Uh, other events happening uh, this evening. Oh, we've got actually the, uh, we can get the exact address of uh, the Cottage Bistro here as we pop it on up. Uh, it is 4468 Main Street. And as well as Cecily, uh, Betsy Warland yeah, is, is going to be reading this evening, too, at Twisted Poets. Uh, also coming up uh, this week, we've got The Flame, the CBC Literary Prizes edition happening at the Fox Theatre uh, tomorrow evening, as well out in Surrey. Uh, the Kwantlen Polytechnic University are having their uh, Slamapalooza playoffs uh, as they're going to have a representative for the Canadian Individual Poetry Slam decided. That competition is happening tomorrow. It starts uh, at 6 o'clock, and that's on 72nd Avenue in Surrey, 12666 72nd Avenue in Surrey. And as well, coming up this Monday, there is a, uh, a poetry slam at uh, Bank. Oh, the Cavalcade of Merriment is happening tomorrow, which will be featuring a number of different poets and musicians, and that's at 7 Dining Lounge. That is at 7 o'clock. Also tomorrow, Spoken Inc. in uh, Burnaby at the... The Wings Pub and Grill, 6879 Kingsway. That's tomorrow at 8 o'clock if you want to go check that out. There's so many different things happening. Uh, Poetry New West is having an event on the 13th. Uh, Timothy Shea has his book launch happening on Monday at the Hogan's Alley Cafe. It's an early event. It starts at 6 o'clock, and there will be an open mic after that. And we had Timothy on the show last week, and uh, that was a treat. The Dirty Knees of Prayer, the book launch, is happening this coming Monday. Also, Monday, it is uh, at the Vancouver Poetry Slam. Charles Ekabumi Ellick will be featuring. Uh, Charles used to uh, organize the Berkeley Poetry Slam, and uh, he's uh, also a yoga instructor, and he has a brand new uh, 
book out, a coloring book that incorporates yoga and uh, poetry. And uh, he's reading actually this evening at uh, Banyan Books. So if you can check that out too, there's another option of things to do. There's so many things all over the place. Uh, and uh, there we go. That's it. All right. I'm uh, R.C. Weslowski. You've been listening to Wax Poetic here on Co-op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. And Cecily Nicholson's been our guest today. Again, thank you very much. Oh, and uh, best of luck with, uh, you got it, but you said you have a, not here, off air, we were talking, you have a plans for a book in 2017. Yeah, I have a for, my forthcoming is, I guess, yeah, autumn of 2017. So. Fantastic. Congratulations. Thanks again. And maybe we'll have you back on again then. Okay. Right on. <laughs> Thanks so much. No apologies necessary. Is coming up next. You've been listening to Wax Poetic on Co op Radio, CFRO 100.5 FM. So what? So what? So what? So what? So what? So what?